one night in the spring of 2016, with the presidential campaign heading in its loopy direction, Janice Min, the editor of The Hollywood Reporter, where I was writing a regular column, called excitedly to say that I'd be able to interview Donald Trump if I could get from New York to Los Angeles, where he was doing a campaign stop by mid-afternoon the next day. I confess to thinking that this was quite a lot of effort for a candidate who, while breathtaking in his novelty and ludicrousness and confounding in his success to date, seemed to have no more of a chance of being president than I did. But for the sport of it, I went. That next evening, sitting with the candidate in his Beverly Hills home, filled with overstuffed furniture not unlikely cast off from one of his hotel lobbies, I looked Donald Trump in the eye and asked him the essential question, why exactly are you doing this? He replied with a clarity that few candidates have about their own motives and ambitions. To be the most famous man in the world. I should have been more appalled, and yet it had an obvious logic. Most public people in my broad acquaintanceship with public people see notoriety and celebrity as key aspects of their identities. Whatever else they might have accomplished, work they had done, organizations they had built, money they had made, was enhanced by or depended on or was meaningless without their public profile and renown. Trump was merely throwing pretense away and eliminating the need to perform for any reason other than attention itself. He had arrived at a place that other equally as craven but not as shameless fellow attention seekers could only dream about. The road here is a tragic one for the culture at large and as well for so many of the people who take it. But it is also the central thoroughfare. You can't understand public life without understanding the motivation for ever-increasing and eternal notoriety and the mechanisms by which it is achieved and, as well, the price you pay for it. In 1998, New York Magazine hired me to write its weekly media column. Writing about media had, theretofore, mostly involved the court politics at newspapers and network news divisions, journalism ethics and practices, otherwise called media criticism, and sometimes a guilty fascination with the wealth and power of media CEOs, the moguls. But by the late 90s, several developments had pushed the media story into a new dimension. The trial of O.J. Simpson in 1995, wherein the media gave up the pretense of its role as witness to the news and became the eager producer and stage manager of it. Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky in 1998, demolishing the line between public and private lives. And mass connectivity, which gave everybody a rooting interest in and passionate opinion about public actors, large and small. News was personality. Personality was drama and entertainment, that is, conflict. Notoriety, that is, publicity, became the leading currency of our time. The needs, hubris, 
and ruthlessness of people at the apex of attention, celebrity, and influence, and those striving to reach it, became the grease that kept the world spinning and news cycles rolling. The news was psychopathology. The media did not merely report on, but created the people who made the news. Likewise, self-promoters with ever-increasing skills and cunning gamed the media. And then the world began to revolt against these modern monsters and the agents and enterprises who made them. This new social and political force of personal aggrandizement and media power, the characters it has propelled and the backlash it has inspired, while in many obvious ways deleterious for the commonweal, was propitious for me.